Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Let me tell you a story. Jesus earlier was teaching in the house of Peter or the house of Matthew when some people came up to him and told him his family was outside and they were wanting to speak with him. Jesus looked up and asked the messenger, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Matthew 12, verse 48. Jesus looked around the room at the 12 disciples sitting in front of him and then he pointed at them and the throngs of disciples sitting and standing outside and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister and mother. Matthew 12, verses 49 through 50. If you are one of his followers, is what Jesus is saying. If you are one of his followers, one of his disciples, you are part of Jesus' family. If you are one of his followers and one of his disciples today, think about it. Jesus still considers you a, a sister or a brother. That is quite the honor. That is quite the joy, right? To know whatever happens, I can call Jesus Lord, Savior, and my brother. You know, I, I wonder if Mary, his mother, was a little shocked and a little hurt. I mean, she was the one who gave birth to the man. And here, she does not count any more important than a disciple who started following him that afternoon. That must have been hard to hear. But you know, Jesus loved his mother. And she had a special place in his heart, as, as all mothers do. Well, I said earlier, because now we're in Matthew chapter 13. And in this chapter, in this part of the story, Jesus returns home. He leaves that area around Galilee and returns home to the village of Nazareth. That was Jesus' hometown, Nazareth. Like I said, Jesus had been preaching and teaching around the Sea of Galilee, and that's where that whole incident about who is my mother and who is my brother, who is my sister, that's where that took place. And Jesus said, if you're a disciple of mine, you're my brother and my sister. As he started to teach and preach around the Sea of Galilee in those ten cities, teaching and preaching and healing and calling people to repent and telling them about the good news of the kingdom. But now he was back in town back where he wanted to be, the city of Nazareth. Now, it was about 18 miles as the crow flies from Galilee to Nazareth. So, after he had been done preaching in that 10-city circuit around the Sea of Galilee, he decided to head home, to head down roughly west with his band of disciples, 18 miles away, Maybe he wanted to go home to get some good home-style cooking, and maybe also because he had friends he wanted to witness to and share about the kingdom of heaven and, and the need to repent and to avoid the wrath to come, and they hadn't done it yet, and he really had friends, and, and he just wanted to reach his home city. I wonder if when he showed up at the front door, he got a big hug from his mother and maybe a hug from one of his, you know, other family members. See, Jesus had a large family. It seems at some point Jesus' dad, Joseph, sadly though, had died, and now his mother was alone. 
But the good news is, Mary, his mother, she was not alone alone. She was surrounded by family, at least at this stage in Mary's life. Now, we don't know all the brothers Jesus had, but we do know he had at least four brothers. Their names were, and it's listed here in Matthew 13, their names were James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. I do wonder how Simon felt, being the only one without a J in his name, you know? Once you had Jesus, they all had J names, except poor Simon. Maybe the others were older and named by Mary, and by the time they came to Simon, they just went with the name they liked, as all the good J names were taken. Maybe Simon was the oldest after Jesus and got the non-J name because they were experimenting and thought they were going to go the the S route. Oh, we're going to have Simon, and then our next one's going to be Sean, next one's going to be Samuel. But then they liked the J in Jesus and thought, what better way to honor Jesus than to give his brothers all names beginning with J? You know, names are important in Jewish family life, and so maybe Simon was stuck with the only non-J name. All the other names fit the family, and they all happen to begin with J, and Simon, we have to name someone after your grandfather, Simon. Well, it's got to be him, but he'll be the only non-J. I know. Well, Jesus, Judas, Joseph, James, and Simon. I don't know. Well, he had four brothers, Jesus did. And then, when again, he might have had more, but we're not certain. But for sure, we knew he had four brothers. And then there were the sisters. Now, here the Bible does not say how many sisters Jesus had or even gives their names. Now, that would have been hard to give them all J names, wouldn't it? You know? Well, maybe not if I think about it. There's, there's Jackie. I can name another one, Joan. And then how about Jill? Oh, 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 and how about Josephina? Get Joseph in there in a girl's name, Josephina? Anyway, we don't know how many sisters Jesus had. But we do know he had some sisters. That's all the Bible says, he had some sisters. So let's pretend, let's pretend he has three sisters. Now there are four boys. Put them together and you get a family of nine when you add Mary and Jesus and a family of ten when you add the patriarch of the family, Joseph, to the list. And so Jesus returns home to Nazareth and probably runs fast so he can spend time with his mother Mary and James and Joseph and Judas and what's the other one? James, Joseph, Judas, oh, and Simon, you know? And all his sisters. And maybe he bursts open the door and they're standing next to mom. Probably working on a puzzle because that's what seems to happen whenever I get home. People are always working on a puzzle. You know, standing next to Mary is Joseph and maybe his sister Jill. And they're all sitting down doing some difficult 5,000 piece puzzle. Or, more than likely, none of the children are home. Because they were all out somewhere starting families of their own. Or working a job to scratch together a living. And even if they were home, the sad thing, at this moment in their lives, apart from Mary, I don't think the other brothers and sisters would have been excited to see Jesus at all. Like I said, they were probably not there anyway. Because unlike America, they don't have leisure time to do puzzles. Remember, Jesus and his family don't come from money. 
His dad was a general laborer, a skilled craftsman with wood, but still not that wealthy. And so the kids were probably out trying to help support themselves and their mother at home. Or, or maybe they had all left home by this point and were now married and established on their own. Either way, we're very lucky here in America. Because in Jesus' day, they had to keep working. And I wonder if some of them resented Jesus for that. Because they had to keep working while their brother Jesus ran all over Israel claiming to be the Messiah, claiming to have done miracles and signs and wonders? What is that? And maybe that's the sticking point for some of Jesus' family. You pick up in the Bible that there is some resentment towards Jesus. That he's off saying he's the Messiah and he's off building a cult following while we're here working. How does Jesus being the Messiah help us down here? He hasn't done any miracle for me lately. Could he make me a miracle and give me lots of money? Maybe Simon or Judas is thinking. Because sadly, here in Matthew 13, at this moment in their lives, we know that the brothers in particular, the brothers do not believe in their brother Jesus as the Messiah. They don't believe that their brother Jesus is the Messiah. I mean, why should they? This was the kid who would cry when he got hurt. Or this was the kid who'd wake up early and go out to pray before helping dad in the workshop. And this was the kid who had to learn to tie his sandals. This was also Jesus, you know, their older brother, who, well, it is right, he never did anything wrong, ever. Now, I think that was the only reason they might believe that the brother was Jesus, the Messiah, their Lord. Because he never did anything wrong. And yeah, he was kind and not a jerk about it. But still, this is their brother. Jesus. Goofy Jesus. Their brother. Not some kind of messianic lord. No. No, that can't be right. And you know, everywhere he goes, a cult following follows him and maybe they called it a cult following and everywhere he goes they treat jesus like a cult hero and that'd be hard to take as a brother right everywhere you go to find your brother jesus a mob of people follow him and and he's doing miracles do you really believe that it couldn't be true this was jesus your brother the only one who seemed to believe him at this time think was Mary his mother and you know mothers don't count because they'll always believe in their sons well now Mary did talk to an angel and she did have a virgin birth but apart from those proofs you know Mary would just believe Jesus is the Messiah no Mary knew Jesus was the Messiah because of everything she went through and I think she tried to press that on her family Jesus is the Messiah I spoke to an angel about it. It was a virgin birth, and she would tell him the whole story probably again and again and again and again. But at this moment, none of his brothers believed that Jesus was God. None of them. 
John, this book in the Bible called John, in chapter 7, it states it clearly that none of them believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And they did even something worse than not just believing him. They did something far worse. It says in John 7 that they tried to have Jesus killed, their own brother. The Jews were trying to kill Jesus. That's what it says in John chapter 7, verse 1. After this, Jesus traveled in Galilee since he did not want to travel in Judea because the Jews were trying to kill him. That's what it says. But in this story here, in John chapter 7, Jesus' brothers, they tell Jesus that he needs to leave and to take his disciples and perform miracles and go to where? Judea. Verse 3 of chapter 7 of John. So his brother said to him, leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples can see your works that you are doing. I mean, it sounds all nice, right? Hey, go to this place, do your miracles. People will see you. Go to Judea. But they knew exactly what was happening. And they knew by saying to Jesus that he should go to Judea, seems that before the resurrection, the brothers of Jesus, they didn't just not believe that Jesus was God. It seems like they hated Jesus. Well, not only did his family not believe in him, especially these four brothers, they did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. This is their brother Jesus. He's not some Lord. He's not some Savior. No. And he, in fact, made him so mad that the brothers tried to have him killed. But not only did his family not believe in him, but here in Matthew 13, the townspeople of Nazareth didn't believe in him either. Because they remembered Jesus, the little child walking to school. They remembered Jesus, the boy that they saw working with his dad when he was young. Or, or the teenager playing games with his friends in the park. This was Jesus, the one they remember doing all those things. Mary and Joseph's little boy. No way that this guy was the Messiah. No, 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 no. According to my view, the, the Messiah was going to be handsome and beautiful and, and, a, and a man unlike any other seen before. But Jesus, when you saw him, the Bible says he's... Not much to look at. It says in one of the prophecies in Isaiah, Jesus was just average looking. Nothing amazing. You wouldn't say, hey, that's the Messiah when you saw Jesus. No. And we know his parents. We know who his parents are. And yeah, there was that story about the virgin birth, but nobody really believes that. No, we know his parents are Mary and Joseph and just your average kid. No, there is no way the people of Nazareth are saying there is no way that Jesus, the Jesus we knew, the Jesus we saw grow up among us, there is no way he could be the Messiah. So the town was against him. His own family, apart from his mother, was against him. And the Bible says that they were offended by him. That's what it says in Matthew 13, that they were offended. The people of Nazareth, in particular, were offended. The idea is Jesus caused them to trip up, to stumble. 
In other words, they couldn't have any faith to follow or believe. They were offended. And when I say that they didn't like Jesus, or when I say that they were against him, or when I say that they were offended, it all came down to this one thing. They, Jesus' brothers, probably some of the sisters, the people of the town of Nazareth, they did not believe him, Jesus, when he told people that he was the Messiah, the Savior of Israel. They did not in any way believe that that could be true. No belief. So the Bible says, because of their unbelief, that Jesus did not do many miracles there. Because of this unbelief, Jesus didn't do many miracles there. That's what it says right there in, in Matthew 13. That's what it says in Matthew 13, verse 58. And he did not do many miracles there because of their unbelief. Because of their unbelief, Jesus didn't do many miracles. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean that there's some magical power in the air when people do believe? But none when there is no belief? That somehow Jesus gets special powers when belief is high, but his powers are dimmed when there's less belief. You know, like Santa's sleigh in the movie Elf. When the spirit of Christmas was high, then it could fly, but when it's low, the sled can barely get off the ground. Is that what this means? Jesus needs our belief to work his miracles? Is, is that what this means? Well, I don't think so. And, and I think it's much simpler than that. Because, first of all, we know Jesus works miracles in his power and in his strength and in his time and planning. And secondly, we also know there are many times Jesus did a miracle when faith around him, when belief in him was small or even absent. He fed 5,000 people when the faith of his disciples was very small. They didn't think Jesus would be able to take this little boy's fish and bread and feed all those people. And hardly anybody believed around him that he could do it, but he did it anyway. Earlier, right in the book of Matthew, he calms a storm on the Sea of Galilee. And, and what does he tell the disciples before he calms it? Oh, ye of little faith. Oh, you of little faith. That's what he yells at him. That's what he tells him off for having no faith, but he still calms the storm. So what is happening here is two things, I think. One, the people didn't come to him, so very few miracles, if any, could take place. If you didn't believe, why would you go to Jesus for healing? I think that's the simplest answer. Jesus didn't perform many miracles because hardly anybody came to him because they didn't believe he could do it, because they didn't believe he was God. Why even try? Why go to Jesus for healing? So if you're not going to Jesus, guess what? Very few miracles are happening. But there's also this sense that miracles throughout the Bible, especially in the life of Jesus, were given by God to increase and encourage people's faith. Jesus performed miracles to increase and encourage people's faith. And when he sees people believe in him and have faith that, hey, you're Jesus, 
You're God. You're the Messiah. He would perform a miracle to confirm and encourage their faith. And if there is no belief, if there is no faith, then there is no need for miracles to occur in order to strengthen their faith. Do you get that? If I don't believe in you and if I don't have any faith, well, Jesus isn't going to perform any miracles to encourage that faith because there's none there to encourage. Well, in the end, Jesus and his disciples left Nazareth. His brothers and sisters did not believe and neither did the townspeople itself. What a sad, sad story. But I do want to say there is a cool end to this story. James, the brother mentioned here in Matthew 13, of having no faith, James, that James later becomes a leader of the early church and is martyred or killed for his faith. Here, he does not believe Jesus is the Messiah, but later he will so believe it that he gives his life for that belief. Now, how did that occur? Well, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 7, that Jesus, after he rose from the dead, personally appeared to his brother James. Now, I don't know where James was or how it happened. Maybe James had shown up for the crucifixion, so he was hanging out in Jerusalem. Or maybe he had gone, you know, he saw the crucifixion, and then he went back home to Nazareth. I don't know. But I do know at some point, all of a sudden, his brother Jesus appeared to him. Jesus physically showed up to James. You know, I can imagine James is at home having a kosher peanut butter and pickle sandwich for when, you know, he's just eating that down. That's pretty good, peanut butter and pickle. I just want to throw that out there. But he's having a kosher peanut butter and pickle sandwich for lunch when all of a sudden there's a knock on the door. James goes over to it. Pulls open the door and <gasps> lo and behold, it's Jesus. I can imagine James stands there, mouth wide open, drops his sandwich. What? It's Jesus? My, my brother Jesus? And I think they hugged. And they sat down and probably talked for hours. And then later, James, or at that moment, I don't know when, but James becomes a believer. A disciple of his half-brother, Jesus, right? He, he becomes a follower of Almighty God. He comes to the realization that Jesus is Lord and Savior. That brother I grew up with, he is God. James became a believer. Now later, James writes the book in the Bible called James. And he becomes a leader of the early church. And like I said, he'd be killed by being stoned to death for his faith in his brother Jesus. But that, that's a great end of that story. What began with no belief, we see belief. That's a great story. But there's even more. Later on, right, Jesus ascends to go back to be with his father. And before he goes, Jesus tells his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit to come and indwell each of them. 
So the Bible says in Acts chapter 1, verse 14, that there were a whole bunch of them waiting and praying for the coming of the Holy Spirit. The Bible lists the disciples of Jesus waiting in the upper room. And the list goes like this. They say there's Peter waiting, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. They all were continually united in prayer. And then here's the key. It says, along with the women, including Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. They were there. Jesus' brothers were there waiting for the Holy Spirit to come down upon them. Jesus' brothers were there. Those doubting, disbelieving brothers were there. They'd gone from doubters and haters to true followers of Christ. They went from unbelief to belief. What a great end of the story. And I just want to ask, where are you? Are you a believer? Do you believe who Jesus says he was and is? Do you believe that he is the Messiah? Do you believe that your sin is taking you to hell and separation from God for eternity? Do you believe that Jesus came and died on the cross to take the penalty of death on your behalf? Do you believe he was the perfect sacrifice that he died for you, and then he proved he was God by defeating sin and death and rising from the dead three days later. If you believe that Jesus is God, all you have to do is ask Jesus to save you. That is it. And I want to say, this is not just a story. It is true. Jesus did all that. Jesus is God, and if you believe all that, I would encourage you to turn that belief into action by first repenting of your sin, ask Jesus to forgive you for those sins, and then ask Jesus to save you. That's all you have to do, to put your belief, your believing loyalty and faith on Jesus by asking him to save you and to be your Lord and Savior. Do you believe? Do you believe? If you do, then please ask Jesus to save you today. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. You can comment on our Facebook page or email us at baldheadbible at gmail.com. If you would like to support this podcast, please check out our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash baldheadbible. Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. New episodes added every week. Thank you.